Welcome to episode 64 of Bo Knows Stuff. I was lucky enough to be joined by Clint Evans, the founder and co-creator of Behavior Chef. This guy himself lost over 100 pounds. He shares his journey. He shares his philosophy on how to help other people uh, with behavior analysis, applied behavior analysis. That's something worth diving into, something I am a big fan of. We actually connected in a Precision Nutrition Coaches Facebook group, so good job, Facebook there. Some positive about Facebook. It's a, it's a positive thing somewhere, a lot of negative out there, but let's, let's keep it balanced, guys. Uh, I'm excited about this episode. We cover a bunch of great topics. Uh, values, how value set goals, mindset shifts with language, stuff that I have been looking at for a long time. So this was a really great combination of us chatting here. Excited to hear what you guys think and check out his podcast. We mentioned it a few times there, but uh, the Behavior Chef podcast, if you get a chance, uh, some really great concepts and topics that they cover as well. Uh, If you are a skier, snowboarder, don't forget I am pushing this ski prep for the season program you can find it and all the links around anywhere you can find me uh bonostuff.com is not a thing but it should be i'll look into it but my website is fitcarephysio.com and if you add ski.fitcarephysio.com ski.fitcarephysio.com that will actually take you to my ski program nine weeks 99 dollars uh nine minutes a day keep it simple get healthy, avoid injury. Let's go diving into episode 64 with Clint Evans of the Behavior Chef podcast. Hey, we are live here with Clint Evans, Behavior Chef. I almost read that. I was looking for the you and behavior uh, for our (laughs) British friends and and Australian friends. I like to tease them about uh, having that you in there for no reason. No unnecessary reason. vowels yes uh, but they invented the language so whatever whatever um we got habits plan i thought that was appropriate for those of you not familiar with cliff here uh he's big on habit change behavior chef right so we're going to talk That's about right. that dive into it um, yeah. i'm going to turn that off so we don't get copyright sued and all that fun stuff but <laughs> tell us uh clint where you are what's going on tell us about behavior chef dive in three two one go Fantastic. Hey, I'm Clint Evans. I am the uh, the founder and co-owner of Behavior Chef. Uh, we are, uh, myself and another uh, gentleman named Tony Chambers, we are what's known as board certified behavior analysts. So we have master's degrees in uh, something called applied behavior analysis, which is like a fancy term for like science and psychology meeting together to study behavior. And so we have board certifications in that. We're also precision nutrition uh, nutrition coaches, and um, we're in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, rep in the Midwest uh, a little bit out here, and uh, we we have a podcast ourselves, the by the same name, Behavior Chef Podcast. But our entire thing is nutritional habit change, and so we get a lot of people that want to you know lose weight, and that's that's a generic term. A lot of folks, uh, myself included, uh, if it's cool, I'll give a little bit of my backstory of yeah. how I came to Behavior Chef, and so. I was about four years ago. I was a um, hundred pounds heavier than I am now, and um, I had yo-yo dieted like most of my life. A-, a lot, like a lot of folks, I played sports in high school. I was pretty in shape. Then college hit, and Taco Bell was cheap, <laughs> and you know the rest is history. And then when I got married, I, I like to consider it my uh, my happy weight. Uh, our first couple years of marriage, I really ballooned, and uh, I was twenty. 
26 when I first started noticing things. I'm 32 now, so it's you know better part of or, you know better half of a decade, I guess, for all this to really come together. But uh, I went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Dude, you're you're 26 years old. You're pre-diabetic. You're pre-hypertensive. You're pre you know insert early death uh, marker here." And um, and not in such plain language said basically if, if you weren't so big, you'd have no problem. You I mean you're a healthy guy other than your you know your obesity markers. And yeah. so then I started looking at we started doing classes for you know this this master's degree in, in ABA and I started seeing these parallels between how like our personal environment, which is like our day to day life, you know how all that stuff fits in and manages our behavioral expectations without us really even knowing it. So our environment sets us up for success in the the behaviors that we're looking to get out of life. And I started digging into that. And my wife and I, at the time, um, at the time we did this, we paid a company that did something similar. They weren't behavior analytic by any means, but they we paid a company to help us, you know, initially lose weight. As we're going through the process, I started connecting the dots, created um, the behavior chef kind of as like a, a fun outlet for social media for our little corner of the psychological science world so we can kind of disseminate because we're not, you know, it's relatively new. Uh, B.F. Skinner came up as the father of uh, the psychologist. Yeah, you got, that came you're going up. way back. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we we really started in the 60s and, you know, kind of got together in the 80s and 90s really getting going. So we primarily work um, with individuals that identify as, as autistic or that have autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. And so we, uh, a lot of us work in clinical settings in schools. I, I you know, full-time I work in a school um, building the behavior chef as a brand uh, on the side and, you know, being a father and a husband. And uh, I, I uh, minister a church uh, as well. So I kind of have, you know, I, I'm the typical ADHD adult. I have <laughs> my hands in, in plenty of places. Yeah. Um, but all that, all that experience for me had led to the idea that um, weight loss is really a, a symptom of a larger problem. Um, like for me, I wanted to lose 30 pounds. And then the question is, then what? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when we get there? And mm-hmm. uh, some studies that we cite and some of the research that we use to create our stuff, because um, we're systematic, like we use, we use science to do what we do. Uh, we use we use science to look at so again we're you know we look at the nutrition, uh, but we also look at the the science of habit, um, mm-hmm. the science of of behavior change, and we we track that with data. We do it systematically. All those big you know clinical words, but what it ends up coming out to is um, most people. The research suggests that eighty uh, percent of those that lose a significant amount of weight will either put it back. Or or overreach where they originally were within like uh, twelve to fifteen months, mm-hmm. and so uh, actually there's a another podcast in the fitness space known as uh, Mind Pump, and mm-hmm. they're like uh, pretty big, and uh, we've had uh, I've had the pleasure of having one of the guys on ours, and I have something coming up, uh, you know we're working on something with with another one of the guys, but Sal the the one of the main hosts uh, said one Di, one Di time Stefano was that yeah yeah yeah. He said one of the one of these uh, episodes I was listening to. He said, "You know, um, we don't have we, America doesn't have a weight loss problem. We have a weight loss retention problem. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can lose 10, 15 pounds, but it's mm-hmm. keeping it off uh, that's the problem. And then you have this whole uh, fitness influencer genre, you know, that's all over Instagram and, and Facebook and all those things. And it's just like the new age version of telemarketing." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they talk about it all the time there. We talk about it on our podcast a lot too, that, you know, there's, 
there's a lot of draw into being good at social media. You know, yeah. there's uh, to, to be able to be like, hey, I, you know, check out these washboard abs that I have. So here's a buy my six week program and you'll look like me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you get the six week program and you're like either a uh, you spent too much money on it. So you're discouraged. B, it's it's too too behaviorally expensive, meaning like, you know, it takes too much time or I'm not conditioned at that level or or C, I do the six week program to the, to the letter and I look nothing like. But I thought, so I'm discouraged and I fall off my own wagon again. And then I'm right back where I was before. Uh, and of course, those are generalities. Obviously, you know, it's not everybody, but that's that's what we see. Uh, the reality is it it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the I'll throw in the biggest example. Of that is the biggest loser. Right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, yeah. they show that. Uh, again, you see these great success stories and people losing tons of weight. And then I think they've done all the follow ups and you know, 95 to 98% of the weight has been regained, if not yeah. more like exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and the one I'll throw in as well, are you familiar with E.C. Sinkowski and, and her uh, thing, Optimized Nutrition? She's more in the CrossFit kind of space. Oh, okay. Optimize. I don't know her name so much, but the title. Yeah, o- Optimized I- Nutrition. So uh, again, I'll give her the credit of this quote of, of um, basically, yeah, in terms of diets, is is this something you can do for the rest of your life? Yeah. And that's kind of the way, you know, if it's if it's keto, if it's, you know, all these fad diets that we're talking about here, intermittent fasting, everyone's jumping on that. And it's like, but is this something you can do the rest of your life? So that so I want to, you know, push back to you and precision nutrition. I'll also say real quick, uh, I actually just I've been a big fan of theirs for a long time. I actually just got my like level one, finally went through the the thing and got the test. Yeah. So that's right. I think um, that's where we connected, actually, wasn't it? In one of the groups there. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think somebody asked like about podcasts and you threw yours in there and. Uh, I told that person, I was like, maybe you like this John Berardi one um, that, you know. You oh, like, yeah. Like yeah. The one that's nutrition. that's connected to PN. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, man. So I want to jump back to you. And again, I really love the concept of values inventory um, that you kind of talk about. And and I'd love for you got, you to talk a little more about that process. And uh, yeah, a little a little definition of values inventory and how that rolls into this concept of like, how do we change things for the future? Yeah, absolutely. That's this is the the passion, the heart of of what we do is. Um, so we let's. I'll take you through like a typical client onboarding. So if I have you come in and you're like, yeah, I want to work with you guys, and you sign up, the very first thing we do, um, along with getting a macros uh, breakdown of where you are currently, that looks at your, you know, TDEE, your NEAT, or your goals, all that stuff, and puts it together through the science of nutrition and gives us a macro printout. Um, you know, a lot of nutrition coaching seems to stop there. Like, hey, just follow this plan and you're golden. Um, but there's no how or, you know, when or, or what to it. It's just do it. You know, if you can't do it, then it's not good enough. If you can't do it, it's your fault. Uh, and that's that's nonsense. That shouldn't be what how we coach. And uh, one of the things we've connected to it through this psychological psychological piece is as a values inventory. So um, I, I sent you that little graphic and it's on our Instagram too. The sometime this week, I, I visualized the, um, the whole idea into a staircase. So the values or the purpose is what's getting us to the, the bottom of that specific staircase. Like there are, you know, plenty of staircases in the building. If we want to use the analogy, right? There's plenty of ways to get up plenty of staircases that take you to plenty of different floors, but I want to get to this specific floor for a specific reason. So, um, the values inventory that we use, um, we have people go through and take, and it's a pretty lengthy thing. And yeah, that's the, the staircase of habit that's on our Instagram as well. Um, but so the value down there, we, we end up finding that by going through this values inventory and it goes through things like what, 
what are the things that you value? Um, for example, like for me, it is vulnerability and authenticity are the two values that I funnel everything I do through. Um, that that allows me to be myself. That allows me to uh, operate in my best uh, setting. And so when I'm looking at something, I'm trying to find a way that I can be vulnerable and authentic with that thing. And that makes it flexible. So it's not super rigid. So then I have freedom to go ahead and move around uh, psychologically. I'm not stuck to one set of rules. And then there's the whole neuroplasticity side where we do something over and over and over again for a long period of time. And then it creates this rigid neural pathway that, you know, our brain wants to fire and follow every time we do it. So can, uh, can I, can I jump in real quick? Please. The, the, I, I've heard, uh, and, and those listening, probably we've, we've heard it from different guests and things like that. Uh, based on your current understanding of the research and things like that, what is that number of, you know, they say it takes 21 days to build a habit and then people are like, well, actually it's like 62 but, but, you know, 21 is like more of a, you know, a, a, a digestible term, pardon the, expre- the, the pun there, but uh, yeah, is, is there, is there, is there a number or, or way you, you can synthesize the science of that for us with your background? It's more, so to answer the question, 21 days is, is the way, the reason why it's digestible is because it's a, a long time frame of doing something consistently. Mm-hmm. That's really the, the magic number. There really isn't. Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name now, but one of the reading leading, excuse me, researchers there was like, you know, he had talked about that too, you know, 21 days to a new habit or uh, 21 day habit fix, you know, all those types of things. And he said, the, the reality is um, through the, the CAT scans, they're able to run and do these tests and see uh, long story short, I'll give you the quick science and then why the number doesn't matter so much uh, because the, what, what ends up happening, what they're able to see is that your brain fires a specific way when you think about a specific thing. And so they introduce a new thought to go ahead and re, you know, retrain, if you will. Think of it like a detour. Uh, there's construction, and then we have to go around to get to the same way. And so we have to practice the new way over and over again so they can see it firing and, and all that stuff. And it's difficult to do at first. It's like learning a new skill. It's hard. Like learning a guitar is foreign to most people. But when you learn a couple of chords and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, the whole thing opens up. Your brain is really you know, getting that neuropath pathway built. So the 21-day idea is really more of like, where for 21 days, I am, I am fixated on doing this skill over and over and over and over and over and over again. So it's not as if I wake up on the 22nd day and I have a new skill. It's that literally thousands of times for the last three weeks, I have focused on this thing daily. Uh, I've made it what, I, what we call salient. I've made it known to me. I've made it a, a priority to practice over and over again. And in your mind, you can do that. If you've ever had anxious thoughts, you know you can think about the same thing thousands of times throughout a day. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we practice it innumerable amounts of times. And by the time we've done three weeks, really, relatively, that's thousands of times that we've most likely, I think they said somewhere between, you know, it's like around the 800 to 1000 mark is really the times that it takes is the average I think they found. And I'd have to look at the research to make sure that I'm completely correct, but it was pretty high. It was way up there. But that 21 day idea is that, you know, three weeks, we can go ahead and think on it a lot. And by that time, most people had a new neuropathway built. It's, it's not Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. That's, that's, that's like <laughs> becoming an expert on it. Right. But um, yeah, that's that, ten, that's that deep view. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but coming back to the values, if, if, if we can go there for a Please. second, I'd yeah. love to give the listener a more kind of concrete maybe way to look at that where again I've, I've played around with this i don't know if you're familiar with opex james fitzgerald again in that kind of crossfit space that's a lot of where my background is but sure. they, they, they do a lot of unique stuff i would say and they've always had values as a big indicator of that so again when we start with a new client and i we you know the way they did it they would initially have you 
kind of put down your value. So again, you have a five month old. So maybe your five month old is your number one value, right? People mm -hmm. want to say that. And then, uh, you know, your, your relationship, your marriage, your family, your, your connection to God, your connection to, uh, your fitness, whatever it is, your business, mm -hmm. all these different things. So however that all lines up, you have your values kind of ranked. And then there's a couple other questions the way they do it anyway. And I'm curious how, if this is something kind of how you guys do it, or if there's a place for this of, uh, well, where do you actually spend your time? And like, you, you go through this questionnaire of like 15 different questions. What's actually, how is your room set up? Where, where are you spending your money? Uh, all these mm -hmm. things. And then you say, Hey, like based on the way you answered all these questions, that doesn't really line up. And it's okay. If your child is not your number one value, doesn't mean yeah. you love them any less. It's just, no. it's kind of having that conversation. So that to, to say like, uh, you know, right now work is your number one thing. You might yep. put it seventh on the list, but it really is where you spend the most time, where you're doing all these different resources. So yeah, again, is there is there some kind of uh, connection to that? The one other caveat I'll say to that real quick, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it with your, your background of when someone says, you mentioned like, I, I want to lose 30 pounds, then what? But yeah, it's kind of that concept of, of again, five whys. So it's like, well, why do you want to lose that? Why not 35? Why not 25? Why 30? Why is that the magic number? And then you get down to the heart of it by continuing to ask that why of like, well, I actually want to meet my partner. I want to be alive for my five month old and be able to, uh, you know, be at their wedding 30 years from now or yes. whatever. So, so that why getting to that why is really the root cause of, of that behavior change and saying, oh, like I have something that I need to, to change. So yeah, sorry, I, I went on a little ramble there, but. No, you're good. Uh, <laughs> that's that's fantastic stuff. You're exactly right in the idea that the five whys, I know that's a popularized way to look at it, where we get down to the, we niche down more and more and more until we really hit bedrock. And so I, I call it more um, symptom checking. So the 30 pound weight loss is a symptom of something we think that we need to do. One of the questions I ask that we ask at the beginning is, is this goal your idea? Was this something that you've come up with or do you feel that there's a societal pressure to do it you know, whatever, like why we, we get to the why. So the values inventory will do the same thing and it ranks, uh, it ranks you in like, you know, the, the, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a streetlight style, red, yellow, green. Um, so the idea is like green is, so you, you may rank it this way, kind of like what you're talking about, but green is really where we're seeing you spend more of your time. Yellow is, you know, it could use a little bit of work and then red really needs some attention. So we, we try to take a couple of the green and then attach it to a, one or two of the red kind of put these holistic view of a value together. So when we create these, this arena, this context of a value, and so let's say, uh, let's say work is a high priority for me, but I really, I said family. And so there's a disconnect from what's really valuable to me than what I thought was valuable to me. And so in the center there uh, becomes the, that goal of 30 pounds. And we've, we've sussed out that really the goal, like my value, my personal values align with my, you know, uh, values inventory to where family is a big value to me. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I've made some changes to my, my work and everything like that to make that value happen. So that value of vulnerability for me, being vulnerable with myself allows me to set the boundaries with my work. So that way I can live out the value of my family. So it kind of all works together. But that value of family ends up being what we call an outcome. So we set this massive outcome like, hey, I want to be, let's say I want to be around for my child's wedding or I want to be. And it, sometimes it's a little more concrete than that. Like, you know, uh, I want, I want to run a marathon or I want to do couch. It's kind of like the couch to 5k thing. Like I want to do something with my family, uh, next year we're going on this trip. I want to be able to walk around Europe and you know, I, I can't really do 5,000 steps a day without getting out of breath. I want to be able to, you know, you're going to walk more than that in Europe. So what we'll do is take the values, rearrange them, get this outcome. And then in the middle of those two things, we'll create the goals. So one of the goals will be 30 pounds. 
but we're going to break that goal down even smaller. Uh, we're going to meet where we are currently with that values driven piece. And we're going to look at our macros. We're going to set, you know, small incremental goals to attempt that, you know, half a pound to one pound weight loss a week. So, and then we start diving into the behaviors around all of that. So we get, we, we have the structure set up. We have the values, uh, we have the outcome, we have the goals to get us there. Those goals, you know, they increase as we go. Uh, but this is where the systematic science piece comes in. We use those macros as the nutritional markers. And then we have something that we're developing that we're calling the wellness, the behavioral wellness continuum. And it, it goes along with that value piece where it's like um, seven, seven dimensions really of like your, so we have your macros covered and we have your outcome covered. Um, how about your sleep, your movement, your, your environment, your social life, all that stuff. Yeah. And so all that stuff is a part of that. As we're going through the macros piece, we're also going to begin working on these other goals when the environment allows for it. So when I get a little bit more momentum in my macros and I, you know, I don't need to talk. And I noticed this in not only in the data, but the conversations with my clients, the first few weeks, we always spend time diving into what a carb is, what a, you know, unlearning that carbs are bad and learning that carbs can be good. And they're basically food has no morality. Uh, we don't do diets. We do flexibility. We do uh, mindfulness approaches so that we, okay, this week I was a little heavy on steps. So, you know, my carbs were up and it balanced out next week. I'm not going to be moving as much. So I'm going to try to rearrange that with maybe some healthy fats, a little bit more veggies. Like we, you know, it's that, that teaching. And so as we go through all that and get it together and then we start looking at, okay, cooking is actually one of the areas we look at. Um, I, for example, I get this question all the time. How do you eat at home? You know, like if I want to, we want to replace a behavior with uh, like a behavior we want to change. We want to replace it with something new. The My favorite example is like fast food burgers. A lot of people love to swing through and grab that and grab the Diet Coke and say, well, I did, you know, at least I got the Diet Coke. And that's, you know, that is neither here nor there. But my thing is always like, okay, here's, here's the rule at home. If the value is driving the bus and we really want to hit this goal and you really want that burger, um, hit Google and go ahead and type in macro friendly five ingredient burger. So my stipulations for like for myself, if I want something, I need to find a macro friendly recipe with five to 10 ingredients that I can do in 45 minutes or less. Um, because that, that gives me, um, clear, concise and complete like information. I, it's clear what I want to do. It's concise on the amount of ingredients I have. And it's a complete, you know, idea of, of, a, of a meal. So that way it doesn't take me too long. It's not behaviorally too expensive, meaning it, it's not too hard to do. I don't have to give up halfway through. And I still get that thing I wanted, but now I've learned a new skill along the way. So I'm empowering myself even more. Um, that's a, I went a bit of a ramble there too. Sorry, but that's, <laughs> that's a, okay. that's a look at how we kind of, we kind of do our thing. Um, and I think that's what makes us a bit unique. I'm biased of course. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Well, I, I love it because it actually totally, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to ask you on here is it totally overlaps and lines up with my uh, kind of concept of five pillars of health, which is, like you said, movement. That's the primary one for me with my background around physical. Mm -hmm. I got my physical therapy shirt on. That's right. In the right I got my, here. I got my old, um, <laughs> that we took the the out like last year. So ah, it's just behavior chef. There you go. Uh, and we kind of you know cleaned up the logo, but I got my old polo on just for yeah. the, just for you. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't I appreciate it first of all, and yeah. uh, but I don't I don't get to wear polos too often anymore. As yeah, uh, but yeah, I I have a whole collection of them from from uh, my school days. This is from this is circa like 2006, I would say. Nice. So it's retro. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 
but yes, um, five pillars of health. So movement for me is that is that kind of top one at, with my background. But then yes, eating, sleeping, recovery is the third one yes. uh, that you kind of mentioned. Um, and then mindset and connection are my fourth and fifth. So mindset is the one that, again, we really overlap with. And you threw that into our uh, kind of pre-interview questionnaire to make it sound real fancy. Um, mm. And you talked about the mindset shift with language and uh, how we talk to ourselves and the importance mm. of that. I'd love to hear more about that. And again, for mm. me, the, the really easy one and the one that comes up a lot is changing things like I have to go pick my kid up from school versus I get to go pick my kid up from school and just changing that language. Um, but yeah, I'll let you, you know, rock and roll with that concept. You're exactly right. It's that simple. But the thing is, even myself, for the longest time, I thought, well, that just sounds kind of dumb, right? It sounds like I'm like I'm placating, I don't know, to myself, or it's like some psychobabble mumbo jumbo. At least that I grew up in a very macho esque household. Which, I mean, I'm a big guy and I'm a strong guy, but I'm not macho by any means. I'm a pretty. I, I have. I, I know. I'm in my feelings. Um, you can call me Drake if you want to, whatever, but I know, I know, you know, I, I, I like to feel things. And so I was like, it doesn't, that didn't align with my values being the hard and tough guy. Like when I, I, I see my son who, who's now about to be six months old, he smiles at me every time he sees me at this point, I know that's going to change. But in that moment, I get to stay in that moment and just really appreciate the fact that there's this little human that relies on me for everything, but just loves the fact that I exist. Uh, and to me, that's one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. Um, and you know, everything revolves around that. That doesn't mean that I sacrifice everything to be with him. I still have my values. I like, I still get to do this. Like my wife gets to do, uh, some of the things that she, like we have our values driven, but it's in, you know, it, it aligns. And so it, all of that comes back to how we talk to ourselves. I did a post the other day, just kind of a reminder, like we do throughout the week, we kind of do these reminder posts. And one of them was like, you know, when, when someone that, you know, that you love and trust, like your wife or your spouse or your best friend, whatever, when they really mess up and let you down, uh, or if they mess up and they're down on themselves, you're there to support them, right? Um, maybe like, hey, man, you hear your wife do that negative talk, maybe. Uh, I don't feel like I look good you, today. Do, or... you, do you listen in on our conversations? Is that what <laughs> I was in the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have a, I have it bugged right now. <laughs> um, but it's um, but it, it's just because that's that's a typical conversation where we're like, man, I just look terrible, and you're like, no, you look, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, you'll get him next time. You'll you'll do. And then the post said, you know, you're you're kind and supportive and empathetic with your friends and family. Why not try that with you? Mm -hmm. And the concept there is this phrase um, that B.F. Skinner actually said, and it's a kind of a paraphrase, but he said that there are no wrong answers. There are only learning opportunities. And so it's a mindset shift of looking at, like, I always used to tell myself that I am so dumb. I am stupid. I'm not worth anything. Uh, no one's going to want to listen to you, Clint, because you're nobody. Uh, and that still might be true. I don't really care about that anymore. I'm, I'm, I have a message that helped me and I've seen it help others. And I want others to know about it, regardless of my imposter syndrome. More it's, it's FOMO more than imposter syndrome now, which is, which is good. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to give this message. And uh, there's a, another gentleman named Stephen Hayes, and he wrote, uh, he came up with this concept, he and his team called acceptance and commitment therapy. And within ACT, that's the acronym for it, within ACT, there's this key concept known as the dictator within. And it's this voice, everyone has one. We have this internal voice that tells us all the negative things about us. But in reality, it's a disconnect from you psychologically. It's not actually you. It's a voice that lives in your head, uh, to put it in plain language. And a lot of the times we spend so much time focusing on either replacing a thought or running away from a thought or powering through it. Um, when 
the psychological flexibility piece of the mindset shift, the real genius of it is allowing that thing just to exist and to know that it's there, that it doesn't have power, but it just exists. Like my previous learning history gives me negativity in, in the way that I think about myself. And this is where the values come in because we really hone in looking at. So I've, I'll give you an example of how this all ties in. I've been able to see with you know our pre-questionnaires and things like that. Someone's learning history might be, I'm going to go generics here. Let's say someone has a learning history with yo-yo dieting and um, you know either uh, some sort of binge restrict pattern. Um, and usually if we dive, if we wide down, if you will, if you wide down to why that happens, there's typically, a, it's a stress response, right? So I get stressed. I reach for chips. Uh, I notice that I reach for chips. I feel terrible about myself and then I overdo it. And then I restrict because I overdid it and I need to get back on track. That seems to be the yo-yo dieting circle. Um, but I, I would see this with clients sometimes. So then instead of saying what happened, I would dive in and say, tell me about Wednesday, right? Monday, and Tuesday were good. Uh, Wednesday, I saw us go over on carbs by 200 grams, which is a decent chunk for a specific person. Friday, I saw us eat hardly anything. And then Saturday and Sunday, we went ham. You know, you still tracked everything. So thank you for that. But let's dive into what happened Wednesday. Well, I find out that Wednesday, our nemesis from work was there. And they've done this thing that, you know, they got the promotion that I didn't. Uh, it happened to be someone's birthday party. And I overdid it on cake because I was feeling sorry for myself. And so we, this data shows me all these things. And then we, we, we get to push on what we call the pain point, right? We get to push on the pain point is that whole self-empathy piece. So we get to, it's not about you not being able to hit a macro. It's not about you being able to get your movement goal in. When you are psychologically pressed, the rest of that crap doesn't matter. Right. When when your thoughts are overtaking you, you're not saying, man, when you're not your best self, you're not th saying I really need to get to the gym today. Uh, when you're psychologically broken down, you're thinking I'm the worst. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. So we look at that and we set up conditional parameters around it so we contextualize the problem and we work on that self-talk. We work on um, I don't use the word diet in our program. Uh, because of the connotation that has with people. I don't even we use the concept known as reverse dieting. Uh, or uh, we call it metabolic uh, optimization. Um, you know, so just changing the words changes the history that someone has attached to that word. So when I use the word diet, um, it usually, or scale, <laughs> that usually makes people have like a fear response of some mm -hmm. sort, right? Because they have this terrible history with it. But if I use the word lifestyle update instead of lifestyle change, just a small small thing. Oh, okay. Well, we're updating, right? I'm not overhauling myself and I have to start from scratch. I'm just tweaking some stuff. It doesn't feel so scary. So then behaviorally speaking, that gives me a little bit of motivation because you have to start with that to take that step out. And then when I take that step and keep going here, eventually that motivation is going to run out. And by that time we've done small enough steps to where we understand that we don't need the motivation because we've changed our mindset. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, Awesome to hear again, lines up a lot with some of the work I do. And uh, one question I have for you though, there too, I have a bunch of questions that came out of that actually. What the one I want to ask is, do you, do you incorporate any kind of breath work into, into that concept you're talking about? <laughs> no, that's not something that we are well-versed in yet. Um, I've been doing a few things. Like I listen to the key nutrition podcast a lot and um, Brad Jensen and, and his sister, they always talk about like the Wim Hof method and, uh, and their, their work with breath work. And surely I do, um, uh, you know, I'm cognizant of breath when I'm, you know, when I'm, uh, doing my, I, I do for myself, I do what I call my morning affirmation. 
And mm -hmm. so um, I've taken my two values and then put them into action. And in the middle of that, I have an environment set up for it. So uh, there's a specific song that I listen to that, uh, you know, gets me in the right mind frame. My, my lighting is low. And right above that computer, before I start any work during the day, right above that computer is, is a picture that just says, today I will be authentic, today I will be vulnerable, and today I will be helpful. And so as that song is playing, I'm kind of going through the thought process for myself that what signifies to Clint that a day is complete because things happen that you can't account for is if I can in any situation be vulnerable and authentic and in that way be helpful. So it's, it's, to me, the missing piece is always like, why well, I'm living my values. Yeah, you're living in your values, but how are you projecting them out? Right. What's the action place? We have the why. What's the what's the how and the what? You know, what are you going to do with it? So my my thing for myself is if I can live out those two values to help someone at least once or twice a day, no matter what happens, if today was a crap day to everybody else, if I've done those things and put them forward, I've been a better person today. Yeah. So that 1% that better every day, that's um, that's what we're looking for. And so no, uh, the uh, breath work from a formal standpoint, no, not yet. Um, that may yeah, be no, something yeah, for, formal is, is kind of questionable. There isn't, I, you know, even something true. like Wim Hof is, is, uh, you know, I don't know if we'd even call that formal, but no, from my that's perspective, true. I just feel like, uh, and, and, you know, understanding the neurophysiology, all the mm -hmm. different concepts of that, of those moments, I wonder how much more impactful it can be if in that moment when you're saying, uh, Hey, I'm feeling a little stressed out, being more aware be that mindset piece saying, take that deep breath in yeah. you know and and just do this whatever box breathing or four seconds in seven second hold eight seconds out whatever that yep. is there's so many different forms of that breathing or just you know put a hand on your chest put a hand on your belly take a big breath in i want everyone to do that listening right now do it do it right now feel if you there you go and i can see through the video clint's breathing in all up in his chest i'm sorry if i'm making you nervous but that's that fight or flight up here in the chest right and then sure. just being aware of that being able to breathe into the belly as I'm doing now, looking pregnant. I can't even get that on camera. But no, yeah, looking it. pregnant. <laughs> and and it it does literally massage your vagus nerve, which connects yeah. back to the brain. All these physiological calms it changes. all down. Calms it all down. Takes us from fight or flight up here in the in the shoulders neck area down to rest and digest. And takes us from you mentioned the example of you know oh my the person at work who got the raise the, mm -hmm. the raise or the the promotion that I didn't that I wanted and taking that stress re re kind of using that energy so to speak without necessarily a formal pattern but i just think the power of breath is is super big and it's something that again it's hard to make it really formal um yeah, you're right and and so it but i do think there's a place for that and again I, I you know i'm just excited talking through some of these concepts and seeing if if and how we can better implement that stuff i i end up it's the first thing i ever assess on anyone I work with, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, and it's 97% of the time, um, they don't know how to breathe. Um, so, you <laughs> I know, like that I, approach. yeah, so, and, and the only people who do know how to breathe are performers, uh, sure. you know, if they're on Broadway or they're singers and they know how to engage their diaphragm and things like that, or they've kind of gone through and, and found a clinician, you know, like me who really cares about breathing. Um, but it really is for me, like when we're talking about your back pain, hey, maybe if you breathe into your back, like you're going to stretch out your yeah you, you know you're using your stomach stretches out your low back so crazy how that might start fixing things and then oh you have neck pain maybe it's because you take twenty three thousand breaths a day where you're <laughs> up here yeah up here yeah so anyway well, um, you're, but I, 
-hmm. You're right in the fact that everything's connected, right? And so it all goes to that CNS and that parasympathetic approach and that response and the fight or flight thing. And the one thing that I do do that's similar to, I mean, it's for, for your, you know, for your three miles under the sea, my, my uh, little kiddie pool uh, is um, around those moments when we, you know, the, the person at work, I, I tell them to be cognizant of their shoulder placement. Mm. And so for me, um, the three things that, and again, there's not really any formal thing, but I just always notice this connected that, my traps, for me, my traps are tight when I'm stressed. So mm -hmm. I carry them there. So therefore, it pulls back, retracts my scapula, pulls it up, and my shoulders end up looking like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm up here. So then I go ahead and say, hey, why don't we take a deep breath real quick and release to your natural position? So then we, and then we let the shoulders fall. And then I say, notice how far they fall. It's usually about three, four inches. And then, okay, so now you're in your, your typical, you know, posture instead of, pulling at them with your, with your traps and, and, you know, sterno and all that stuff, making them tight, uh, which gets you the jaw pain, which gives you back to the vagus nerve, which gets you connected to your body, mind muscle connection, however you like it all plays together. But that's what I, you know, that's one little trick that I use with most everybody too, is it's not necessarily breath work, but it's, um, indication. So it's a yeah. specific behavioral, uh, indicator in a specific moment that we can understand. So when, we, when we're able to contextualize behavior, then we're able to better understand it and then behaviorally replace it. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's I love it. That's it. <laughs> I love that reframe on that. That's great. Um, another question that came up for me from the last kind of thing we were talking about here is, is you mentioned uh, the scale can be a little triggering for people. Hmm. Do you have a general approach for, again, someone comes to you, they want to lose 30 pounds. Are you like for me again, working with folks who want to lose weight and, and, and that kind of concept, I say, I don't actually want you to weigh yourself for at least the next 30 days. The next 30 mm -hmm. days is focused on whatever X change of behavior. We're really trying to sure. focus on that. So I don't want you to go down that path. So do you have any rules at all? I'm just, just again, curious, mm -hmm. love to yeah. hear uh, your take on that, the, the how often and, and in what cases. So here's the cool part that where it becomes individualized and how like the, the science of behavior allows us to dictate that. And so uh, a, a general person comes to me and I, I'll ask the question, so how often are you weighing in? And a lot of the time I'll get north of three times a week. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people that seek us out are daily weighers. Um, and so I obviously want to move from daily weight to no weight at all, especially when that's causing uh, what we call, a, 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 it's a motivating operation, meaning the scale has a psychological attachment. And so regardless if I step on it or not, when I see it, I'm already feeling a certain way, <laughs> right? So, you know, if we can put it in the closet for 30 days and not do it and focus on the behaviors and habits, fantastic. The reality is a lot of people aren't there yet. So we have to systemize it. So what we end up doing is saying, okay, we're doing five days a week. Uh, this next week, we're, we're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday instead of Monday through Friday, right? But it's not enough to just do that. We have to do something else. So we're going to do that. And then what I want you to do is go into your closet and pick a, a shirt that doesn't quite fit, but almost does, that you want to get into. And every day you weigh in, I want you to put that shirt on. And so we're going to do that. And then we're going to go ahead and start putting that shirt on and looking at it every day. You know, let's say we do that for a couple of weeks and then we we'll say, okay, we're going to weigh in twice a week. We're going to weigh in once a week. All those other days that we're not weighing in, we're still going to put the shirt on and look in the mirror. So we're, we're systematically fading down the amount of time we're weighing. And if the program, if, if we're sticking to the program and 
and people are following through and it's not too difficult for them to do at that moment, we should be seeing results. Uh, sometimes we'll do it with, with photos as well, where you take a photo of yourself in the shirt daily and go back and look at it. Shapes is a really cool app that, that does that for you. And it kind of, it'll take the, the date and it'll give you like the, the bodybuilder profile, the side, the back and the front. Uh, now you're not doing like double unders or anything with your biceps primarily, but you're, it gives you like a little ghost avatar for you to stand in the same spot each time. So if you're taking it daily, you can see these little changes over the week. So that's the, that's the object lesson. So we connect the change to something different. So what we call we're unpairing and repairing to something different, a different stimulus. And then over time, so we finally, that might take us a month. It might take longer. It might take a couple of days. You know, it depends on the person. Let's say I finally gotten them to, okay, so we're weighing in on Mondays because we're meeting on Mondays and we're going to weigh in after we've voided uh, our bowels and our, our uh, everything else. And we're going to weigh in, you know, right after we wake up. Uh, and then now we're going to work on it as a data point. So as we're going through and unpairing, we're teaching what uh, what fluctuations look like. And we're, we're learning the person. Is the person sensitive to carbohydrates? Are they sensitive to sodium? Everybody is, but are they particularly sensitive to like, I did great over the week. And on the weekend I had, you know, we had 3000 grams of sodium and I, how did I gain five pounds in the last week? Well, you didn't, you're holding on to probably three pounds of water from yesterday. And so let's up our water intake today and move forward and not worry about it. That's our data point. Our data point is showing us that we're sensitive to sodium. So therefore we can use that as information and we can adjust. So all this time we're, we're undoing years of problematic learning history and at the same time getting rid of the scale. Uh, now we might, we might lose it all together and just say, okay, now that we've gotten to a place where the data is showing weight loss is happening, um, you, you're reporting that you're happy because we have, when we start every session, we don't even jump in until uh, we do what's called a non-scale win. And so we do, we start off every session setting the environment with like, what's a win in your life that has nothing to do with what we're doing? Going on vacation this week, I spent time, awesome, that's great. Now, how does that lead into what we're doing? How does, how does what we're doing support that win versus this is everything? Because it's just a part of life. So we unpair it and then, then we're able to throw the, the scale in the closet. So I say, okay, now I think we're ready. The data shows that we're ready. My connection with you says we're ready. Let's put the scale away and focus on increasing our movement, getting more sleep, hitting that water intake, and then get those macros. Let's do that for three weeks. We might even say, let's just do it for five days. Cool. You did it. Look at that change. Look at the shirt. Look at you. Let's do it for another week. Okay. Now that we're in the second week, go ahead and buy those body calipers I told you about. So instead of working on weight, we're going to work on body fat percentage loss because what's going to happen if we're, if we're training correctly, we're going to do a recomposition. We're going to lose weight, but it's going to be fat and not muscle, uh, which is a whole nother topic for a podcast, I'm sure. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of, that's a long form answer. But <laughs> I, felt, I felt like it was important. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, we're in a long form format. So <laughs> the, yeah, we're not going to do the four hour Joe Rogan version, but no, that's really want to, and, unless you have that kind of sponsorship and, and let's all start smoking the weed. Um, but yeah, we're not doing that right now, but yeah, man, I do. I do appreciate you sharing all that. Um, I do want to be respectful of your time as well, uh, sure. unless there's any other specific things you want to, to, to cover. Otherwise I'd love to, to wrap it up. Sure. I, I don't know. just love the opportunity. Uh, it's really cool to get to connect with awesome people like yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, I feel, uh, I feel a cross, uh, a cross, uh, episode coming on. Awesome. And so we'll have to talk about you coming onto ours to, uh, dive into your stuff as well with how, our audience. How, how often are you guys posting? On uh, podcast wise? Yes. 
we do uh we do weekly uh right now we've uh we've had some uh my co-host had some personal stuff going so the last weeks we've been on a hiatus but we're gonna hit the ground running again this next week so we we shoot for uh weekly and then weekly release on wednesdays um we're you know we're a two-man show like i do all the editing all the recording all that like we don't have you know we're we're saving money uh, to put back into our process yeah um by doing everything ourselves just because we care enough about like we i mean we could expedite it but we want to help people better so we we want that money to go towards our stuff we you know we we use an app we use really cool data stuff we i mean it's we're trying to do it legit and Mm -hmm. tell people that there's there's something better than just 12 weeks of of pure grueling agony to look a pant size better yeah yeah uh and and those uh i'll do a little plug for a new podcast i'm starting outside of this one called the demand better podcast with my Mm. buddy corona unfortunate name in new york city personal (laughs) trainer uh but david corona it means king he had the name first absolutely Uh, but demand better we just launched our first episode demand better from your personal trainer uh which is an area him and i both have a lot of experience with but I think there's a lot to be said of demanding better from nutritionists, from dietitians, yeah. uh, from the entire space of Arbonne and and the the multi level marketing schemes and and all this stuff and understanding where and I don't I don't know if you want to chime in uh, if that's going to set us down another hour long. It battle, is, which is, which is fine. Just I will. <laughs> why don't why if it's all right with you and talk to talk to King, uh, Mr. Corona. <laughs> let's uh, let's. I, I would love if you'd have me. I'd love to go ahead and talk about that topic on the show that's appropriate for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause I have, I have lots of thoughts um, <laughs> on that specific yeah, I mean, to the term nutritionist. Right. Um, and a lot so, of people, a lot of people come to me and, and ask me those questions. And again, I mm-hmm. actually only really got the precision nutrition certification to have, you know, some kind of letters behind my name, but yeah. I've, been, I've been working in and around that nutrition space for so long um, and, and being able to, to, you know, have a little more format, but also have a little bit of protection legally just by having yeah. that and, and, and no, all that right. fun stuff. So, um, but yeah, that, that's a whole nother thing. And, but yes, people tend to want to go to nutritionist, dietitian, these terms. Um, and it's easy to go to those big promises of, Hey, I can, we'll get, we'll help you lose six pounds in six days. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so we, we won't, we won't go down all the rabbit holes of all the kind of BS, so to speak, right, right there. And then, but, um, yeah, we yeah. could do a red flag episode for your, uh, yeah. And that's kind of what we're <laughs> trying to create and, and, and structure that a concept as again, with the personal training is literally that we, we had our top five list of things to look out for, you know, cool. uh, for, for, for that it's, you know, yeah. If somebody has a six pack, like you kind of, you kind of said the same thing about, does that mean that, uh, they should go and, oh, why, why didn't I get a six pack? Oh, JLo got a six pack, but you don't have JLo's abs. You don't have JLo's, you know, resources. You don't have her genetics. So it, it's not likely you're going to have the same results. So it's, yeah. it's coming down. JLo's got people. She's got people. So even if you have some people, make sure they're better people than, than the $60 an hour, you know, personal trainer. No, no offense to that, but we go deep into that. Oh, yeah. Check that episode out for those listening. And, um, before we wrap up, I'd love to, yeah, and hopefully we can we can link up for something uh, yeah. like that episode. But tell people where they can find you, work with you guys, and and definitely get on board with uh, these messages you're putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook at Behavior Chef. Um, we have any platform you listen to. Uh, we are the Behavior Chef podcast. And uh, if you are just interested to just connect with us. If you go to behaviorchef.com backslash connect, there is a landing page there for you to fill out something and we'll reach out to you and, and schedule like a, we call them connection calls. Uh, they're not discovery calls. They're not, you know, onboarding calls. It's literally 
a call for you to to connect with us and then regardless if you work with us or not you're going to leave that call with something to do uh, because all we want to do at the end of the day is be helpful to you our little tagline is um, your values your journey healthful change because you deserve your health that's our whole thing um, so yeah you can find us everywhere at behavior chef yeah, one part I, I I kind of wrote down. We didn't quite get to. I do want to wrap it up though. For long was long term health. You guys, I know you've I've heard you talk about that on your podcast. And uh -huh. I encourage folks if they're interested in long term health. Uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. I have my new uh, Bow Thirty system. So thirty minutes, I can help you move better, get out of pain. We're gonna put a plan in place for the next thirty days, and then we want that to turn into the next thirty years. So something That's sustainable um, and that long term health, like we were talking about. So um, by putting all these little steps together, uh, that graphic that you kind of sent that I showed earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, build those habits, build that staircase, uh, make your way there. So with that said, we're going to check out with habits here. If y'all can hear that and, uh, you can stay on, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up and, yeah. uh, everyone check out uh, behavior chef podcast on Instagram and, and as well as the podcast. So talk yeah. to you guys soon. Thanks again for being on Clint and oh, uh, thanks for having me. we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Here we are. 